Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious and humbled host, Jonathan Wiegand. And today we're actually going to be doing something we've never really done before. It's talking about like the scary slash horror episodes of, of Star Trek. Now, if you're not from the southern United States, I said horror, not horror. <laughs> Luna's looking at me like, oh, you may need to clarify that because these are the horror episodes. Yeah, which I think there are a few of those, but... This is a family podcast, and we we don't we don't do that here. So, uh, anyway, thank you and welcome to the program. We are streaming across the fruited plane, known as the Alpha Quadrant. Thank you so much again for tuning in. I mean, I think we're gonna talk about this in the future, but um, some people have been asking me why have you not done um, lower deck episode reviews as they have come out? You know, um, you've done them for Picard. You've done them a little bit for Discovery. It's kind of, but, but why not Lower Decks? And my reasoning and thought process is, number one, it's not good content. It's just not the best because I feel like, okay, it's a 22-minute show, right? 22, 24-minute show. I'm going to make a 30 or 45-episode podcast about like what happened in the 22, 24 minutes. That just seems to me you're desperate. And you don't want to do the work for the good content. That's my opinion. Now, we will be doing an entire season review of Lower Deck Season 2. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. It's a lot more than the first. It definitely took off running. And it didn't have the same hurdles as the first season did. But there were still some letdowns. But we'll get into that um, on another day. But yeah, I just wanted to address that real quick. Because I know a lot of you have been asking. So, let's just cut right into it again. Yeah, the best horror scary episodes of star trek you want to roll that luna fun will now commence so the first episode we're going to talk about today is is one of my favorite episodes um just because of how random it felt in the canon of dips uh ds9 so the first episode is uh of course like i mentioned on ds9 season 524 empak nor um, so today it, it really felt like, I don't know if you guys are nineties kids or not, but I am. And we used to have this show on Nickelodeon called legends of the hidden temple. And you would like answer questions and like gold monkeys and all this kind of nonsense. And, um, that's kind of what this episode felt like to me. Like they're going around, they have all these booby traps because Empok Nor is an exact carbon copy of Terok Nor, AKA deep space nine, because the Cardassians built it. So Deep Space Nine is falling apart, um, literally, and Captain Sisko approves sending O'Brien, Nog, and Garrick, and a few quote-unquote yellow shirts, yellow fo- cannon fodder to like purposely die, um, to Empok Nord to kind of get those replacement parts that they need. And um, there's a dude on this. His name is Crewman Pachetti, and he looks literally like Trip Tucker. It's kind of like probably... If we're being real nerdy, you could make the connection, but he he definitely looks like Trip Tucker. It's a uncanny resemblance, and um, maybe he's the one that survives. 
maybe wait just never mind anyway um so they arrive at the station and this booby trap that they have in place is that so two cardassians awake and they've put it been put in stasis for this unknown reason so garrick reveals that like hey these card sometimes cardassians left people in stasis and gave them like this psychotropic drug that amplifies their xenophobia so so you have these like space nazis even more drugged out and racist so great um and it turns out space racism is contagious because garrick eventually gets infected by this psychotropic drug and he like starts taking out starfleet members the other cardassians the other like yeah cardassians are on the ship trying to kill everybody um so now you have this like uber intelligent spy that's now like a super killing space racist (laughs) and so it's kind of like okay so nog and o'brien are kind of like on their own fighting garrick and all these other doped up cardassians and you're like oh how could it get any worse for these people is it is it scary not a lot of lighting and it's like oh what do you say o'brien has killed dozens of cardassian soldiers in a battle from like some forgotten war and Garrick is kind of holding a low-key grudge about it. <laughs> so that's exactly what happened. Um, Garrick captures Nog. O'Brien have a good, like, old-fashioned standoff. And O'Brien is like, hey, I'm nobody's Huckleberry. And everybody born tw- 2000 after will not get that reference. But don't worry. O'Brien, like, beats Garrick, blows him up. Funny thing is, Garrick never... Uh, faces any consequences for killing multiple Starfleet officers. So they're just going to let that slide, I guess. But I will say this, the episode is fun. It is kind of a, like I mentioned, scarier episode, but the acting was superb. And anytime you get Andrew Robertson on the screen, the guy who plays Garrick, I mean, he's going to steal the show. Like he's a great actor, top of the line, one of the best Star Trek characters, deepest Star Trek characters around. But I will say that the ending was kind of super predictable. I mean, we knew that Garrick would get out of his Nazi rampage and that Nog and O'Brien would make it through. I mean, to me, it's like, I know, and this is getting real picky, but I know like Tarek Noor and Empok Noor are supposed to be similar in design. You know, it's the same Cardassians built at the same design, whatnot. But it really just looked like the set designers <laughs> dressed up the everyday set with like a couple boxes and dim lights. I mean, you can do it and it served the purpose, but it just kind of looks like um, hey man, did you like recreate all the set to make it look completely different, but kind of similar? Yeah. Okay. Well to do like now, can we see it? Sure. I just put some boxes up. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. You got a gift, my friend. Yeah. So that's the first episode. And again, it's, it's one of my favorites. That's why I listed it first, but it, it is predictable, but it's still a scary episode if that's what you're going for. Um, moving on to the second episode, this is going deep into the Delta Quadrant here with Star Trek Voyager, and the episode's name is The Haunting of Deck 12. You can find it in Season 6, Episode 25. Apparently, there's, like, these strange and mysterious happenings that are going on in Voyager. Some people are starting to wonder, does the ship have, like, ghosts, you know, in the old Scooby-Doo way? And no, they don't, because it's Star Trek, and they have an alien it's always an alien. (laughs) So not unless they do like Star Trek supernatural, we will never get like a supernatural event and it'll even be just likely aliens because it's always aliens. Um, I guess Mulder was right. Moving on. The episode actually features like an alien native to Nebula that Voyager accidentally like 
destroys due to their space fracking. I can't even make that up if I wanted to. <laughs> it's that terrible and stupid. <laughs> and I get it. I mean, they're like kind of, they're in the Delta Quadrant. They're looking for resources. And so that's what they did. And they, this ghost, or I'm sorry, this alien leaves because, hey, you're you're fracking my land and my drinking water's fire on fire. So he goes into Voyager and um, he eventually huddles away on the ship. And then eventually the Nebula alien tries to communicate with, with the crew. Janeway brokers a deal. They'll take the alien back to the new Nebula where it can, you know, grow, live, and um, <laughs> cause like a couple civil disputes with its Nebula neighbors, whatever. By the time the episode starts, um, the alien has essentially been hanging out on deck 12 exclusively for months. So Janeway's going around like trying to find a new Nebula probably one with coffee in it. And this is a unique episode to me because the episode is told via story from Neelix. I mean, it kind of looks like, in my opinion, like what happened in Are You Afraid of the Dark? If you guys remember that. A lot of 90s references today, which was on, um, they had something called the Midnight Society. And that's kind of what it looks like because Neelix, where all the Borg children are like huddled around and he's telling them a scary story because he's been charged to take care of the kids until the ship returns to full power. So Neelix tells the kids of an alien on board and why their bedtime is delayed and they don't have enough power to regenerate. I mean, it, it's just like a simple alien miscommunication episode. And I mean, those universal translators are useless. My favorite part of the whole episode is when the Borg kids just straight up thrash Naomi Wildman. I mean, it seems like all Borg are like just Regina George's in waiting <laughs> to go from like assimilation to character assassination. I mean, while it's hilarious to see kids bash on the, on Neelix and Naomi for no real reason, except for pure entertainment, it, it kind of just reminded me like, Hey, do you know what? Like there could have been some really interesting episodes if the board kids were, were like around and included more than just a handful of episodes. And we get each up, which kind of hangs out like with seven some more, but I'm talking about the whole gang. And um, I think it would have been really interesting to, to get their perspective, see their development. But I understand it was the 90s and no one cared about kids. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so fun facts about this episode. Uh, in my research, I found out. So the special effects used to illustrate the ghost, quote unquote, on Deck 12 are the same graphics used in the Microcosm episode when Janeway throws the antidote bomb in the holodeck. After luring the microvirus there, the smoke is colored orange here instead of the green color used in the season three episode. The episode is notable for showing some detail about how the turbo shaft, turbo shaft, (laughs) turbo lift shafts have horizontal junctions. So they don't go up and down, they go left to right. Fun facts. And speaking of the microcosm episode, boom, going right into that one. Another Star Trek Voyager, the creepiest out there. Now, this one is, is again, you're only going to get so far because it's network TV. So it's like when I say these are scary and horror kind of like, they're not going to be like like we're watching Hereditary or like, uh, what's the one, Luna, with the people in Norway uh, in the bear suit? I don't know. Okay. I don't know either. Uh, but it's not going to be something like super over the top. It's going to be a little little like, oh, this is, this is spooky. <laughs> so, um Moving on, like I said, this is Star Trek Voyager Microcosm episode 12 of season three. So um, we start off with one of the most kind of unique, like funny situations. So uh, Janeway is in negotiation with a people called the Tac Tac, 
um, this is like the cousin of TikTok, because she puts her hands on her hips and they're all about body language and they don't like when a woman puts her hands on her hips. So they're obviously beta males. <laughs> Just kidding. So Janeway Neelix return to the to Voyager only to find that no one is answering their hails. They can't find any communication. There's there's no one to be seen. They're starting like exploring the ship and Janeway surmised that it's been at least like I think she said eleven hours since whatever attacked the crew like took the crew. And then all of a sudden they start hearing this like buzzing sound. They rush to the location of the noise and they find this massive like hole filled with slime in this transporter pad. And then it gets in the that exact moment, they're like, oh gosh, something's on the ship. Kind of like the thing, you know, but not the thing. Like the power goes out and warp engines begin to heat the ship up. So no power, it's super hot and you have this random gooey alien running around. So the two decide to arm themselves, go to the bridge to find out what happened. I mean, that's the normal play. Like, if there's any issue, go to the bridge, man. They find themselves attacked by the same thing. It's kind of like this floating tentacle ball thing, if you've never seen the episode. And um, they jump in the turbo lift. It's a little like uh, like poker. <laughs> Very educated. The, the poker goes through the door and, like, squirts Neelix with his liquid. Eventually... Neelix gets sick and starts like breaking down because he's like, Oh, I can't, I don't feel so good. That liquid didn't, blah, I don't, blah. So he's, he's kind of done. He gets taken by these aliens because he's so weak and he can't keep up with Janeway. So to me, this is where Janeway becomes like badass Janeway. Um, very Sigourney Weaver, uh, alien, aliens type of way. She, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's even a scene where she like, straps up like so it's remember like i said it's super hot so she like goes down to a tank top and then she starts strapping like grenades and ammo and bombs and like all this stuff to her to her person and then <laughs> it's just it's just like total alien ripoff which is cool like that's awesome um really kind of cemented her in my mind since it's so early season three. Oh, she's she's a fighter she's a ba captain it's definitely one of my favorite like monster of the week episodes Definitely gave Janeway and the Doctor some solid screen time early on in the series before, you know, like Seven and the Doctor just like took everything up (laughs) in screen time wise. Because at that point in season three and the first two seasons, you never really get these characters to work together alone or really directly interact all that much. So this is kind of a nice refreshing take that you can kind of see them working together to take out this enemy force. And one thing that really stands out in this episode is you get to see more of Janeway, like I said, not only as a badass captain, but as an individual. And ultimately, in my opinion, this is her episode. And Kate Mulgrew really shows just how awesome she can be in this role if, you know, if they allowed her. And that's one of the greatest, like, disadvantages, I feel like. Maybe not disadvantages, good word. It's it's one of the missed opportunities Voyager had. Because I know they brought in Jerry Ryan, which did excellent. She turned out, 7 to 9, turned out to be one of the greatest characters in all of Star Trek. And very depth and drawn out. I feel like Janeway, there's more untapped. So I know she's in Prodigy right now, so I don't know what that's going to look like. All right, moving on. This is our first TNG. So for the fourth scary horror episode of Star Trek, um, this comes from Season 4, Episode 17, Night Terrors. The Enterprise is looking for a lost starship. And the crew finally locates it. It's adrift, yet fully functional. Like my love life. Oh, God. 
just kidding. I'm happily married. Um, and the entire crew is already dead, like dead, is already dead, save one person. And this person's a betazoid. So while Deanna is, begins having a reoccurring nightmare, Dr. Crusher dis- discovers that the crew died at each other's hands. So they went at each other. When the Enterprise tries to leave, they find themselves stuck as well. Unfortunately, everyone's going mad because as Crutcher discovers, they can't sleep properly. Troy is the only one actually having dreams, and they're not very well realized yet. Um, Even if they don't get proper sleep, they all go like space mad, just like the crew of the Britannia. And things have become so depressing that Worf even tried to commit suicide, but Troy manages to stop him. Luckily, Enterprise has a huge advantage because they have a crew member that doesn't need to sleep. So Data and Troy analyze her dreams and decide that the crew's insomnia and her dreams might be coming from someone else trapped in the rift. (laughs) Implausible though this is, they stick to it as a working theory and decide that the aliens are using Troy's dream as a weird abstract messaging system and want the Enterprise to vent hydrogen so that they can cause an explosion which will overload the rift long enough for both ships to escape. And, I mean, as plans go, it isn't the most sophisticated or well thought out, but time's a-wasting, and no one wants to do a rewrite, apparently. So, down in 10-4, the crew is threatening mutiny and gets into fistfights, and Data takes command of the ship and vents the necessary hydrogen while sleeping Troy, Tries to tell the aliens in her dreams that they're doing what they ask. And yes, this is the actual plot and story of this episode. Um, Luckily, it works. The hydrogen explodes and both the Enterprise and some weird alien ship escape. Everyone has apparently forgotten about the Pratan as Data returns command to Picard, but not after ordering everyone in the crew to bed. The ship practically flies itself. I Normally, like in the past episodes, I didn't do like a like tit-for-tat review of exactly what happened. But what about this episode that wasn't ridiculous? I mean, from right at the beginning, it's weird. If you had to pick one thing that doesn't succeed at all, it has to be the Troy dream sequences, the visuals, the dialogue, the very concept. Did anyone really think it worked even on this page? I mean, <laughs> I mean, did anybody even like, they're like sitting around a table in a conference room but Oh, this is good. Yeah, yeah, good job, Jim. Yeah, I like her weird dreams. Oh, and while we're like still thinking about Troy, what the heck is she wearing to bed? I mean, a sleeveless halter neck choker style coddler. Um, it reminds me of that Lonely Island. It's like blankets are killing machines, and <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. I'm like, who wears like something that you could potentially choke in? Either way, it it looks like she just like got straight like back from the club. It just was like this is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it was just a weird episode. Still kind of spooky. Uh, I want to include though, because yeah, there are some scarier elements to it. And now we're kind of going a little bit down the list, but to me, this is a, um, yeah, I'd say top, top five easily. So moving on, this is the first time Star Trek Enterprise has been shown up on the list. So welcome Enterprise. Um, because no one else wanted to welcome it because it got canceled, but this is the episode Vanishing Point season two, episode 10. So Vanishing Point brings us to the idea that Archer and the crew are like pioneers in space exploration. And I love that. I mean, that's the essence of, it. you know, that's what we all want to go where no man or person has gone before. To me, it's kind of like, and we kind of see the first episode, first episode, the first season or two that 
the crew of the Enterprise is really still kind of wary about the transporter. They really take it for granted. They, it's kind of a mystery to, to them, and they're really kind of hesitant to use it, even though the audience, me and you, have very familiar with it, not a big deal, you know, whatever. But to them, it's new technology, and they're kind of freaked out about it. And Vanishing Point feels like the first time the Enterprise has actually emphasized this sense of novelty and inexperience, you know, since the very beginning of the first season. Um, This transporter malfunction episode has communication officer Hoshi believing she's dead because none of the crew can see or hear her, and she's able to pass through objects, and she begins losing her translation skills. So, I mean, if that was me, I'd probably be like, oh, I'm dead. And as the crew, like, mourns her loss and she wonders the ship, unable to interact with the world around her, she wonders what's going to happen to her next. The idea of a transporter accident rendering a character invisible and intangible, um, but oddly enough, not through floors. <laughs> so every you can walk through everything, but the floors hold you up. Call it a little baloney on that. The episode of what happened during transport was even broached in realm of fear and the story element of a character having a life-changing vision in a very narrow space of real time was a subject of the inner light and a character's fear and concern about mysterious disappearances and unexplained phenomena occurred in remember me so there are all a lot of star trek precedent if you will for transporter malfunctions in the exploration of transporters i mean these are all the elements that have worked reasonably well when placed at the center of a single story. However, throwing all of these story elements into the mix together feels like something of an overload, and none of the elements, like I previously explained, have room to breathe or develop, and none serve to enlighten us about Hoshi or serve as a compelling hook. Um, Vanishing Point is so packed full of good ideas that just doesn't have time to really flesh them out, any of them out. It almost feels like a rough sketch of a good episode. Doodle quickly on the back of a napkin, you know. Um, a collection of great clauses, all designed to keep the story ticking for 45 minutes before ending on, like, a twist. And it's great potential, but it just never delivers. However, it's still a good episode to watch if you're in the mood for something scary or spooky. And for me, that is a scary and spooky one. Like, being able, being trapped, and seeing everyone around you love mourn you. And having no way to interact with them. That's that's awful. Gosh. Um, so for the last episode, um, I wanted to do like a top five. But I wanted to do a what the crap episode. And of course, if you know Star Trek lore, you know this bad boy is coming. Um, so this is the next generation episode. Sub Rosa. Season 7. Episode 14. Yeah. <laughs> so um, to begin, Beverly Crusher attends this um, her maternal grandmother's funeral on a colony that was modeled after scotland i i don't know if people i guess they did that in the future be like hey scotland's really awesome let's go make a planet that's like scotland she's there for the funeral and then she finds herself drawn uncontrollably into bizarre and unexpected trist with a ghost and remember what i said about ghost um it's not really a ghost it's a anaphasic life form yeah, <laughs> thanks, Jordy. But for all intents and purposes, it's a ghost. So this ghost named Ronan, we ultimately learn, has been seducing the minds and cohabitating the bodies 
of the women in Beverly family for generations. Um, so Ronan lives off the life force of the host and Beverly eventually figures it out and kicks his butt to the curb. So not only is this kind of gross, but the fact that you have this alien ghost thing cohabitating and having romantic relationships, but it's like somebody like all your family has had relationships with. So it's just like, that's a weird element to it. And then he's a ghost it's just, yeah, it's a what the crap episode. Um, this, I've heard that this episode is the next generation's equivalent to the epi- the original series episode, Spock's Brain, um, which was an episode so insanely, del- deliriously, hilariously bad. Um, it manages to elevate awfulness to sort of like of an epic grandeur. Think of like the Evil Dead, like cult movie. It's so bad. It's, it's good. Um, and truth be told, I, I like to laugh at like the overcooked and the and the overcamped reactions and the old adjuncts. I, I just think I can't hate the episode because it's too goofy to be worthy of hatred, if that makes any sense. You know, it, <laughs> that is all the episodes that we're going to review today for our scary episodes. I think there were six of them. There were. Thank you so much for listening. And Luna, roll that beautiful beam footage. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, so happy to be here and have you here. And if you want more Trek content and see what's going on, on the daily with me and the podcast, you can check out Omega Particle Podcast on Instagram or at Omega Particle underscore on Twitter. We're also on Facebook by the same name. So feel free to reach out. And I love hearing from you guys. And as always, please check out my best buds blog because he actually gave me some flack because I mispronounced the name so I have it here in front of me so this is Jason talks movies dot wordpress dot com bro work on the title <laughs> just kidding just kidding it's just why why the wordpress I don't know I'm not a blog person yeah, um anyway but please check out his blog he's really probably one of the funniest people I know and he does great reviews I wish he would do a podcast he's I've been on the podcast for several times but Go check out his stuff. It's really good. And um, as always, thank you for listening. And don't let your heart be troubled. A lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. But always remember, second star of the right, straight on till morning. Morning.